Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and it's it's great to be back with you for another week. And now, firstly, before I start, I want to say a, a big thank you to my guest last week, uh, Derry Llewellyn Davis, uh, for sharing with his, his, his excellent strategy on a page concept. Um, a lot of people are getting really interested in that over in the UK at the moment, so I think it's going to grow significantly. He's a, he's a great concept and a fabulous guy. So thanks again to Derry. Now, this week... I've spent some time working in London and uh, walking around and meeting some great people. And I got a real gift yesterday, and then I had 30 minutes. Uh, a client was actually late, and I was able to walk around the city and just reflect on how completely beautiful it is, uh, looking at the architecture. And I wandered around Trafalgar Square. I watched people having family photographs taken with the big lions underneath Nelson's column and just really appreciating it. And I also walked down some of the Mall. And the mall uh, leads down to Buckingham Palace. And, and I stood at the side as thinking what it must have been like when Prince William and Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, got married uh, not so long ago. And I felt a real sense of pride, you know, a real sense of pride about how great the British um, are and, or, and, you know, and in the UK and I know in lots of other countries too, but how great um, we've been this summer in terms of organizing tremendous events. And I thought about the Olympics as well, which were just so well organized. So when it comes to conferences, one person who's at the forefront of the conference event organizing industry, a real uh, sort of thought leader in the industry, is my guest today, Paul Cook. So if you're at the moment, you're planning a great event or, or a conference, then I'd listen carefully. I'd take a notepad out um, because if you get it right, you know, you and your brand, they shine out, don't they? But you get it wrong in front of a big audience. And with today's media, it could be even more people um, are there than um, looking in through different means, uh, um, through the Internet, etc., than just those physically present. You know, you can spectacularly fail in front of lots of people. Or you could even arrange a great event, but and everything's fantastic except hardly anyone turns up. So uh, Paul Cook is a leading international strategic advisor, and he advises on both UK and global events industries. Now, I've known Paul, I think, for about three years, 
I remember sitting next to him just coincidentally at a, at a conference. And, uh, you know, sometimes you meet people and the conversation just flows. And that's exactly what it felt like with Paul. Just naturally, we just got into a great conversation. He's a very knowledgeable guy. He's very unassuming. He's really interesting. And um, his background is that he's managing director of a, an organization called Planet Planet. But he started his career in the insurance world. And he spent time working for Aon Insurance at Pinewood Film Studios before ultimately creating his own insurance brokerage in 2006 called Clarity Event Insurance. Uh, he became immersed in the events industry, which led him to creating Planet Planet. If you're looking at that for that on the internet, it's Planet, P-L-A-N-E-T, and then Planet, P-L-A-N-I-T, which is his online information hub for event professionals. He's recently been working with event professionals on developing the awareness and application of something called hybrid events which helps extend the reach of the audience, uh, which has led to the creation of the Hybrid Event Centre. Paul believes that there's a real need to help bring new and enthusiastic events industry people into the industry as quick as possible and to educate people on creating great events. He's created the Young Achievers Award uh, in the industry and frequently guest lectures at universities both in the UK and overseas. So a big welcome to my guest today, Paul Cook. Thank you very much, Chris. Excellent. Great. So good to have you on the show, Paul. Um, and uh, I just really want to start the conversation by maybe maybe you could define for us in your terms what an event is. Well, I, I, I think that's a really, really good question. And um, um, I think for me, it boils down to uh, getting people together. They're linked in some way at a location and, and either they're going through some kind of uh, learning or networking or, or maybe socializing or having some kind of entertainment. I think those are the, the four kind of key strands, uh, because an event can cover a multitude of, uh, of, of different types. Uh, you mentioned conferences and we're going to focus on that, I know, but think of, uh, annual general meetings, product launches, uh, team building, away days, festivals, exhibitions, weddings. You know, the list is pretty, pretty endless. So, what I like to do with you in this particular conversation is probably just pick some examples from each of those as we as we you know go through our conversation. But I think ultimately an event is all about getting people together so that there is some sharing of, of some knowledge and some um, some development activity going on, whether that is personal or business. And I think that's really how it can be distilled down. Fantastic and. So, I mean, we just sort of touched on there about, I talked in my introduction about hybrid events, and I know that the industry is kind of really changing right now, and, and technology is helping it do that. Uh, do you want to just articulate for us in that, extending that kind of definition to what is this, this hybrid element all about? Oh, I have to tell you, 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 you've got all the best questions this afternoon, because um, defining a hybrid event right now is, uh, is one of those things that's being kicked around uh, the events industry quite a lot. Now, it, uh, simply put, it's, it's when you take an event where you've got, say, say you've got a conference, you've got a, you've got a room full of people, they're all, they're all in that, uh, they're in that room, there might be, say, a speaker on stage and they're doing something there. And what you're doing with a hybrid is you're extending it out using technology so that people, uh, sitting in their homes, in their offices, could all connect into that event and all take part in it in some way as well. And the reason why there are differences between uh, the, the way it's defined is that some people believe that just pushing it out 
uh, on a web stream, pushing out the content from that physical on-site uh, event is actually a hybrid. And I think you can get uh, you can get a little bit too too involved in in definitions, but I think to to bring it back to its basic sense, it's combining the on-site, the physical people that you can see, alongside online uh, participants, so that they have a uh, a shared experience, a shared event, and that's really through, uh, as you were saying, the technology that's now become more affordable and uh, pot- potentially a little bit easier for people to to uh, to understand as well. And do, do you think? I mean, I'm starting to go to a lot of conferences, and there's got the sort of Twitter walls and things like that that are that are happening. Um, do you think that there's now becoming an expectation that when people go to events that some of these things will be present? Um, I think uh, for some people they could. I mean, the way that I see um, events boiling down is that you've still got you, you've got three distinct types on the on the events landscape. One is the traditional meeting that really stays within the four walls. So it might be a you know a private meeting that nobody else uh, need have access to. It might be, say, a networking reception that you wouldn't want to beam across the waves. Uh, that's one type. So that's a, a kind of traditional style. And then the second is uh, a remote meeting where you're having a, a conversation, a meeting online, and you're not physically meeting. And then the third, the third of those would be the, the third on the landscape is where you've got the combination of the remote plus the traditional coming to form that, that hybrid event. And I think... Uh, those are the three key trigger points that I see. And I think there's a big discussion around, well, you know, hybrid events or remote events, they're going to uh, in some way take over traditional events. I don't think they will because people still like to meet. They still want to see each other. They still want to get that kind of instinctive feel about a person when they first get together. Uh, how much we actually put into the events in terms of Twitter walls and the latest gadgets and gizmos, I think, depends on what the purpose of that event is. If it's just, if the Twitter wall is doing nothing, but it's being there and it's just being a distraction, maybe to, to delegates, then I'd say it's probably not, not a good not a good thing to have. But it does vary. It varies according to what you're trying to achieve in your event. We've got about sort of three or four minutes until we go to commercial break. Um, I wonder... What, from your experience, have been the common mistakes when it comes down to planning events that you've sort of witnessed? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, great question. I think uh, one of the common mistakes I see is that there are lots, there is an overestimation of the amount of um, numbers of people that will attend. There's always this big expectation that uh, hundreds of people are going to come to your event, and they might not. So, I always think that that's a, that's a kind of key error. Sometimes uh, people don't test the equipment before they go live. And we, we had testing before we came on air today to make sure that everything worked perfectly. And, uh, and again, you see people come into events and they're not prepared. They don't have the kit. And that doesn't work. And that's not good. Or speaker or coaching. The, the pre- speakers are not always prepared in the right way for, for what they need to deliver. And those that don't keep to time, well, that's a big mistake on the part of the planner because they've got to keep everybody in order. This should be like a, an event is a production, effectively, without the cameras. So I think those are critical. And a lot of people don't ensure the events either, which puts them at a distinct disadvantage if 
the um, you know if the event fails to go ahead for some reason beyond the control of the planner. So you know I, those are key. Plus, I think one of the big mistakes is knowing what people are doing on site, both in terms of internal and external staff. You know, what are the responsibilities that each person has? If you nail those, then you're going to get a much more streamlined and focused event. Excellent. So there's actually quite a lot of things. <laughs> and does that planning extend to beyond the event, you know, uh, sort of capturing feedback and all that sort of thing? Absolutely. I think um, that, you know, an event is a vehicle and you want it to be uh, able to take your message, to grow your community, get your messages through to your, your people on an ongoing basis. So it shouldn't be uh, just a, right, this is an event, it's finished, that's the end of it. You've got to be thinking about your content and what you're doing going forward. Good. So what we'll do is we've, we've talked a little bit, obviously, about defining an event and some of the common mistakes. And after the commercial break, we're going to come back to uh, looking at how long we should give to plan our events and some of the key kind of tasks, some of the things that we must do and when we must do them uh, to make sure that our events are a real success. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. I'm with Paul Cook, and we're talking today about putting on great events and how to really make your event stand out. Uh, Paul, we, we're talking before the break about event planning, and I just wonder, you know, how long should we give to plan an event? What is the time horizon? Well, uh, I'd love to say that there's an easy answer to that question, but uh, over the recent years, especially with the economy um, being in the state that it is, and more demands on business. I mean, the the planning time has, has fallen well down. And uh, uh, depending on what kind of business you are, uh, would would answer this question. I think it does depend on the demands of the business. You might be uh, a corporate body that decides, right, we want to have a uh, a team off day, or we you know we want to have a quick conference, and they might have a really short lead-in time because. They don't want to commit until they know that all of their key players are going to be there. But at the other end of the spectrum, you might have, say, an international association uh, that has to plan events for its members probably maybe two, uh, 18 months, two years in advance. And those timescales have come down. They used to be around three years. Uh, a few, you know, a number of years ago, it was a much longer timescale. So I would say to plan an event as long as possible, but there are all sorts of uh, restrictions on, on businesses now as to when they will go and, and start that process. But it's like anything, the more the more time that you've got, the better it can become as long as you do start that planning process. There's no point in having eight weeks to plan an event if you decide to leave it all to the last two weeks. But it's uh, it, uh, the, the lead times are coming down uh, and they are much shorter than they ever used to be. So uh, I think I think really you always, you always need at least twelve weeks. I would say. And I, I guess also if you're if you're an event planner, you probably if if you're new to it, you may want to give yourself more time rather than less. <laughs> if, if you if you if you're someone who is used to it and does it well, I've got some great examples in the Olympic Games. I mean, that must be an example where the, the planning horizon, you know, maybe eight years, but you're actually building the infrastructure as well. Um, but I do remember one of the things, the sort of criti- a little criticism that um, we, we got wrong with the Olympic Games was right at the last minute, in a, a few months before the, the event, uh, people were contacting top kind of superstar uh, singers and musicians and asking them, would you like to come and play at the Olympics? And of course, a lot of them were booked out on their tours, which had been booked years in advance. So I thought this was an interesting example where, you know, a long time horizon was certainly needed for that as well. Uh, I think that's I think that's very true, and that can be a big problem because you might decide we we need to have this particular conference, we need to have this particular speaker or this subject matter expert in. But if they are, if their diary is, is full up already, then you're not going to get that person. So what what do you do then? What's your plan B? And also the same kind of scenario, again, with venues as well, because you might need it to be in a certain part of the country in a certain style of um, uh, style of building. But if they're booked out, you know, that can be tough. I mean, if you look at weddings, a lot of the um, uh, wedding uh, venues say that they are booked out at least two years in advance. So... The earlier that you can book at least the main components in the venue plus the speakers, the entertainment, the better, because everything else can then kind of fall around those. And I I guess that's the skill of the event planners that have been doing it for a while. They just know 
the best people to go to to you know to get them the best results. And I get you just maybe just raised an important point there. If your event is big, uh, can you hire external event planners to come and do this for you to to help you rather than do it yourself internally? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean there are. Um, that you've got corporate um, event planners that, that may be doing their own thing on behalf of that um, corporate body, but sometimes they will be using agency event planners, and those guys are specifically brought in. Maybe they're brought in by a bank or a pharmaceutical company because maybe there isn't an in-house team at the corporate, so they decide, right, we want these guys to bring them in, and also we want it to be of a specific style of event, and that might be different to uh, their own in-house team as well. So absolutely. And it's where uh, where a lot of agencies, some agencies had real problems a few years ago with the financial meltdown because they were uh, pretty much attached to some of the large corporate clients. And then the cor- some of the corporates said, well, we're going to do everything ourselves and we don't need you. So for the, for the um, agency planners that were, that attached, that was a bit of a problem, and I know some of them definitely went out of business. So what, so what um, are the key tasks that we really must address well in advance, and, and we maybe start with them, and who do we need to maybe also get in to help us? I'm thinking of things like catering and those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, uh, for me the start point always has to be why why are you having this event in the first place what 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 is the purpose of this event you know who's asked for it and what are the key objectives that need to be met because unless you understand strategically where you're going with this you you can't you can't help anybody uh so you've got to know you know if a ceo has said right i want an event and then you go and you deliver an event but actually it's not what he or she imagined it would be that's a big problem so what is the point? You know, how much budget is there? And what are the success measures? You know, how are you going to know if that event is a success? What What is it all being based on? Because then you can start to plan around, okay, we need to get X number of people in, or we need to deliver to a remote audience outside the room, or we just need to show our branding to someone. And once you've got those, then you can start looking. Once you've got the objectives, you can really start to unpick what you need in terms of well where where could we go as a location where could the venue be within that what type of venue do we need what about speakers entertainment what about sponsors do we need any of those media how are they involved oh insurance personnel and and volunteers i mean all of those things are key are key aspects of making that event successful so they all need they're all going to break down from once you've got that decision on, right, we need this particular conference because we need to be speaking to our members, because we need to show them a new product, because we need to do, you know, have an annual meeting or whatever it happens to be. But you have to know. And if you don't know, then you're going to deliver something that just isn't going to be helpful for anybody. So if there's one thing that you have to do as an event planner, it's really ask that person that's sponsoring that event that's that's saying right i want this event to take place you've got to get hold of them and really understand why are you doing it because there are so many events that people can pick and choose from and if they're not forced to get you know if it's a public event if it's a conference and it's open to anybody uh, there you can bet your life that there will be competing conferences out there 
So you've got to know what's going to give the standout for you. And that's only going to come if you know the objectives. Uh, that's a good good point, that actually, because you can focus on your event and just organising to your best ability, but actually having a sense of what else is around there too and, and how you can differentiate yours, I guess, is important. And I guess from what I'm sort of take, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm understanding from what you're saying is that by having a very clear purpose and objective, it's about mobilising everybody behind those. So, so I'd imagine, like, in a briefing, we're, you know, I've always been very involved with speaking, and you know, it's helpful that the speakers can be really briefed about what are the objectives and the purpose, so they can adapt what they're doing to meet those objectives and purpose. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Because if the if the speaker doesn't understand the audience that are in that room, how are they going to how are they going to be able to deliver the, the the message, the content in a way that's going to work uh, for you know for that event uh, organizer? It just wouldn't happen. So you've got to brief everybody. It can't, and it's it's got to be something that just works uh, in a way that is going to make that event successful. Uh, the biggest one of the key risks with all of this is reputation. And if you get known for putting on events that are just not working because they don't deliver because you haven't worked out, you know, you haven't asked questions, the difficult questions at the start, then. I don't think you'll be getting too much business as you go uh, as you go on in your career. So it's really important, you know. It's it's like um, any business. Any business has got a business plan, or or it really should have. Uh, and if it doesn't, you don't know where you're going, and you've got to apply that same thinking. The business is going to go here by this certain date, so our event needs to do this, and that's that's really what we're doing there. So we're taking the elements of a business plan and, and putting them into a into an event environment sure so so talk about environment there how do you choose the right one <laughs> well this is going to come back to your objectives and the, there's a multitude of different uh things to consider when it comes to the right environment you might decide look we want a, a conference we want to have it in the latest uh, the latest convention center that's that's opened because that's got all the latest technology in it we know that we can connect to our portable devices uh, and that's really good for us that's a really great learning environment so that's where we want to be or you may decide well look we want to take all these uh, employees that have done a really good job we want to take them off and we want to go to some unique venue so maybe where we go to a you know a 13th century uh, country house uh, to have a different experience away from our normal work environment. So I think it does depend, again, on what, um, you know, what the, the, the key reasons for having that event are. But what I would say, whichever one you use, whichever decision you make, what I found is that things like space are really important. It's really important that people have room to breathe. It sounds a little obvious, but... I found that the worst meetings are the ones where people are on top of each other. Um, having connections to the internet, having good lighting uh, are also key as well because they keep up your, your levels of interaction. Uh, and having, air, you know, having an event in a room that hasn't got chandeliers or pillars in it which are affecting the lines of sight is also important. So I think those are other factors that I look at as well. But sometimes you you might want to mix it up a little bit. You might want to have your latest technological event 
in a 13th century country house, which is something that I did a couple of years ago, uh, just to see if it works or if you can make it work. So getting the right environment has a number of other factors going in as well. So there's no one clear answer, but I think space, connectivity, lighting, uh, they're all key elements as far as I'm concerned for, for creating that, that nice space where delegates and people can, can really enjoy and do a really good job. I guess a good, a, a good thing there, a tip, is probably to make sure that you certainly go and visit the event and <laughs> the venue and those people that the, the venue space is going to be important for should also visit it and get a sense of what it's like before they book it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I, I, a very quick story before we go into commercial break. But many years ago, I was I was working for a confectionery company, Mars, and I was a vending salesman. And I, I did a deal with uh, the NEC in Birmingham. We're holding a a big a dog event called Crufts, which oh, they yeah. were a major sponsor of and what we did is we had some ven- banks of vending machines in different places in the hall now i got a call it was a weekend um to say uh, they wanted the vending machines moved to extend one of the doggy halls and it was we didn't have anybody who could move the machines and yeah. I, can, I can remember being taken up and the top organizer of crufts um the, the, the main person gave me a stripping down and said I, I was personally responsible for destroying the um enjoyment of thousands of uh, <laughs> of dog owners because <laughs> i couldn't move these vending machines but the reality is they should have planned that in in the first place you know yeah <laughs> well, they wouldn't have put them there <laughs> but no, that's quite that's, a, i look back there you have to go you have to visit the location uh, you have to know what you're getting yourself into just so that you can get in and out and you know where people can deliver the, the equipment, the staging and all those things too as well. So okay. always go visit wherever possible. Build the rapport with the venue as well. You get more favours that way. De- very true. Very true. Right, we're going to go to commercial break now. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com, and I'm delighted to be talking with Paul Cook at the moment about great events. And uh, Paul, I wonder... What do we look for in facilitators and speakers? What are the characteristics that you look for? Uh, you know, Chris, I, um, I love speakers that have got some energy and some enthusiasm because, you know, there's nothing worse for me than, than somebody that's stepping on stage and just looks as though they really don't want to be there. I mean, it's, it's just uh, mind-blowing. But sometimes it happens. But I think, you know, if you've got, um, people that are pleased to be there, they want to be there, they want to actually really engage with the audience as well. Uh, and, you know, they can build that rapport, they can get their messages through. You know, those are all key traits. And I think one of the big uh, issues as well for me uh, with speakers is to, is to know that a speaker can still carry on regardless of what's going on around them. So if the PowerPoint dies if the power goes out, and this has happened, you know, to me in the past, where you just keep the conversation going, and you, you're still able to to connect with the people, even under the most trying of circumstances. And I think that's a that's a real skill, but that's something that we look for. What I'm looking for right now, and I think this will happen with uh, more planners as we go into this uh, area of hybrid events, where we're engaging an audience that are both inside the room and also outside the room is for them to be able to um, really connect on, on both levels. I think that that could be a bit scary for speakers. And I've spoken to uh, a number of the uh, professional speaking groups about that. But uh, that's something that's coming up because I think planners are going to expect that you can connect with anybody over any medium. And that's that's what's coming down the wire. Um I like speakers that have got their own stories, you know. It's their own uh, experiences that they can share that, that make uh, make sense and people can really connect with those things as well. And facilitators, got to keep everything, you know, on course, on time. It's really important that, that speakers and facilitators do that together so that, you know, you don't have a an event that's overrunning and that uh, you, you cut into somebody else's time. It's just... It's not fair. Uh, it's it's just not right. So, you know, I I would like to see, um, I would like to see events more like productions. You know, where you've got a, a film production, you know that there are certain things that have to go on at a certain times, and that's really where we should be heading with events and speakers that help that process along. They are definitely in my um, on my favourites list for sure. 
and I think it's important for um, for planners to actually uh, work out who the speakers are that they've seen, who they like, who they don't. Uh, and that's, you know, there's a lot of sharing of, of knowledge that goes around. But um, I don't expect to see a speaker that's going to be given the same content that I saw, say, three years ago. If they're doing that same job, I'm not going to invite them back. And you'd be amazed how many people uh, still do that. Uh, I've seen a couple recently, and I was quite surprised, actually. Uh, I mean, Alan Stevens, um, past president of the Global Speakers Federation, always says that you should be losing about 30% of your content year on year and, and um, upgrading it with new. At least I think 30% is the figure. But, you know, it's a good thing, and that's one of the uh, marks that I use as well. He's, he's a very wise man. We, we had him on this show. Came straight off the stage at... Uh, I think it was, I can't remember, it was some, some uh, very nice venue, exclusive venue in London, and, and uh, talked was having walked off <laughs> from being with an audience. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, lot of wisdom coming out of Alan. That makes a lot of sense, lose 30% every year. Um, but I suppose there's, sometimes with speakers, they, they, they have a story, don't they, which uh, they may have said many times before, but it's a bit like a favourite pop song or rock song or whatever the type of music you are if you, if you go if you don't hear it the audience can feel a bit shortchanged so i guess yeah. it's getting that kind of balance isn't it i think it is i think there are you know uh, it's almost like chefs and their signature dishes isn't it i i guess um and i think you can bring those out but you might need to to update it in some way and then you don't lose you know some of those um first elements that people might have heard but i think in the event in the event um professionals world that there are a number of people that will go to different conferences time and time again and you know they'll be going around um, to different events and if they see the same speakers coming up with the same material then they they will just get put off by them so yeah. i think speakers have always got to adapt to their their environment where they happen to be um across the globe as well very true. So t let's talk about technology, because technology is important today. What, what do people need to consider when it comes to technology? Uh, in terms of putting the event on, do you mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, can, be, can be putting on the event on, but maybe technology during the event. We talked briefly about Twitter walls. Uh, we've talk, I think you mentioned about sometimes having cameras at events. Uh, what's... Okay, I think, um, yeah, technology on, on kind of two levels. I think for the, uh, for the event organize the event planner um, registration tools are, are one of the first things that crops uh, crops up to my mind because uh, unless you're you've got a small event and you're you know maybe 20 people you can use say Excel spreadsheets to to get the names right for the badging but anything beyond that then I think you have to start looking at other registration systems and there are some that offer uh, a free you know, they don't charge anything for you to use their systems. Eventbrite is one that springs to mind. Um, but definitely uh, registrations and making sure that people know that they've been uh, registered for that event is going to be important. I think the technology that you need at an event is always going to be, uh, especially with conferences, you always need some kind of uh, projector, some maybe laptop PC, some screen, you know, the basics because all you're looking to do is make it, making sure that people can hear uh, and they can see. Those are the two cr critical aspects in the game. Sorry, Chris, but you'd be amazed how often that just doesn't work out. So 
you know, they are always top of my planning list in terms of technology. I think other things that planners might want to use, they could use voting systems during their events. They might want to do that. They might want to use some kind of um, gaming, uh, gaming ideas. Gamification is quite big at the moment. But again, it really depends on whether that's going to add or detract from your event. I mean, your your technology choices could be as simple as, okay, we just need a couple of flip charts in this room and everything else is redundant. So I think, again, it, it does depend on what you're seeking to do. I I don't believe in technology just for the sake of having the latest, the latest flashing button to press because sometimes that can distract people from, from what they're there to do, which might be you know, to learn new information. And if you've got a device and it's distracting and you don't really understand why you're doing it, then as a delegate, I know that you're going to get really, uh, really fed up because, you know, you're asking yourself, what is the point? And you lose, then the the planner is starting to lose you along the way. Uh, And in terms of technology for the uh, people in the audience, the, the delegates, I think that event planners have to be aware that you know, these guys are probably going to have maybe two portable devices. Um, so maybe there's a smartphone, a BlackBerry, or or something, or an iPad, or, or maybe a, a little um, notebook. But th- those items are coming into to a number of events, and people get really upset if they cannot connect uh, to the internet, if they can't get the signal, if the Wi-Fi isn't free. They, they get upset about all of these issues. And there are big campaigns raging for free Wi-Fi across the globe, um, well, across the UK anyway. I'm not always sure that that's a particularly good idea either, but it's one of those things that I think event planners need to be really aware of, that if they've got a location and there isn't any connectivity there, then that could be a bit of an issue for them because uh, they could have some disgruntled delegates. Very, very good point. Very good point. I, know, I know you've got a. I was asking before if you had some kind of a check checklist of all these things. I know you've got a, a book that people can buy called Risk It, which is on Amazon and Lulu and places like that, which has got the list. If people are sitting here thinking, "Crikey, there's a lot of things coming out." Now, now, now I just um, also, I guess, just finally on that technology point, um, I, I think if you spent quite a lot of money on a, an event. It, to me, it kind of makes sense to actually film it at the same side, time, so then you can maybe maybe create some products out of that, or or use it to to give away as a gift for people who wouldn't be, or, or share to people who couldn't come to the event. Um, it just seems a way of kind of making it live on a bit, a bit like maybe a wedding video does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I think that's a, a key a, a key element of events. There are more and more on the increase that are being uh, filmed and recorded. I think two things you have to be aware of. One is that not everybody wants to be filmed or recorded. uh, And you have to explain to people at the start of the event that there will be those things going on or else you could have problems. Um, But how you use that content afterwards, after the event, for a number of people, it could just sit on a website and never be referred to again, which is just a complete waste uh, so I think you really need to understand what your strategy is going to be post the event because you could uh, send out to all of the people that came to the event and say, okay, these are the key takeaways from this session and now we're going to have a discussion about this, maybe on a LinkedIn group, maybe on a different social media channel or maybe these are 
you know, you didn't get to come to our event, but this is some of the things that went on. So you could use them as little trailers, as little tasters. And then you've got a way of repositioning, repurposing some of that content. I mean, if you go to all that expense and you never use it again, it's a little pointless. But that's, that is what happens to, uh, to a number of people, which is a shame. So I think you really need to understand we're delivering this event. This is happening. We've got a key speaker coming in. They're talking about this subject. But these people didn't get to it uh, on we're looking at next year or the next few months down the line. What can we do with what this guy said? Uh, and then I think you're starting to really think about how you're developing your your community and whether that is a membership community or whether that is a, a staff community, whatever type of community you have, you want to keep keep that conversation going so that you know you get ongoing benefits so that the event doesn't just stop at the end of at the end of the day. It carries on for a lot longer. So how, how um, we talked a little bit earlier on about I mentioned in my intro about numbers of people attending. How do you ensure that you get the right number of people attending? What are the tricks there? <laughs> uh, I well. You know, I think, again, this is, is down to um, you know, your objectives. So in terms of the numbers, you, you could do the, you know, if it's a public event, you might say, all right, we want all of these people to come to our conference and we can go and we can hit publications and they've got a circulation list, which is massive. So therefore, we get we get the right, you know, we get the numbers. Um, that's That's one way you could do it. But I think that you really need to imagine the person that you want to be coming to your event. What does that person look like? You know, what are, what are they like? If you imagine you're kind of stick man and you've got an idea, right, they're going to be a certain age, certain um, style of education, certain whatever it happens to be for your event. And if you drill that down, then you can start going to the places, you can start marketing to wherever these people are, are basically hanging out. And that's how you're going to get the right number of people there. But you're not going to get them. Uh, you're not going to get them there unless you've given them a little bit of notice, at least, to get the event in their diary, uh, and give them some tasters, give them some teasers of what's likely to come up. You can't say our event is going to be great, come along, because it just doesn't do anything, and, and people get bored to it. They're much more sophisticated. Uh, they want to know what am I going to get out of this because I'm investing my time, even if it's a free event. They're still investing their time. They're still out of their office, away from their loved ones. So you've got to go quite quite a long way now to make sure that you get, A, the right number, but also the right people there as well. And if you don't get the right people, you could be affecting any kind of sponsorship deals that you've got, you know, that you've created along the way. I guess that's quite a, quite interesting because actually you may, you may be offering an event at, say, Ninety-seven pounds, or some, some, uh, a thousand pounds, or whatever. But even if it's free, you know, I now, I now look at events and think, well, it's going to cost me two hundred pounds or one hundred and fifty pounds in fuel plus accommodation that night. It isn't a free event for me because uh, I've got to travel to the other end of the country or even to a different country. So, you know, people I think do think today about the whole cost, particularly as things like fuel are getting so expensive. Um, so I guess you've got to consider those. Well, they do. I mean, uh, a few years ago, uh, I used to go to an event over in the States. There would be a three-day conference. There would be a day of travel either side. And so for me, that's a, a week out of the office. And some years ago, yeah, I 
be pretty happy to do that. And I think some of the numbers at those events were on the increase as well. But as those numbers fell off, as things have got a little tighter for everybody, then you take a real hard look and you think, okay, if I'm spending that much time away, it's got to be a really good reason for me to to go and give up these other kind of, you know, the opportunity cost, I guess, if we got into economics about um, about why I should be there. Yeah. How do you, you mentioned sponsors, I, I think. Um, how, do you, how do you handle sponsors so that you get, you know, they get value from it and are attracted to, to come along and support, you know, perhaps with stands and things like that? Yeah, I think, again, uh, I feel sorry for sponsors a lot of the time because I'm, I'm not always sure that uh, it's always... Sometimes having a logo up somewhere isn't going to be the best result for them. So I think you really need to sit down with them and to really go through look, what is it that, uh, you know, that's going to be really useful for you so that we can uh, put something together uh, and go through and explain to them look, there are opportunities for you with the on site audience. There might be, if you're having a hybrid event, you might have some online opportunities where a remote audience are looking in. Uh, and then you've got the on-demand side of things. So is there a sponsorship opportunity there for them to be seen every time somebody goes into play a recording? So I think you've got different levels. But really, it's all about expectation management and being realistic to say that, you know, if you're going to give us this amount of money or this amount of um, editorial somewhere, we are going to do this, this, and this for you. And I think you have to have it absolutely in writing so that everybody knows what they're doing because that's um you know one of the best ways of keeping everything on track keep them always in a loop to make sure that uh they know what's going on there might be through that there might be some new ideas that you both spin out together that could be good uh, but also i think the key is uh one of the big issues for planners is to understand and have some uh real knowledge about what's going to happen if that event doesn't go ahead because if you've taken an amount of money from a sponsor and they're expecting your event to go ahead but it can't because maybe maybe hurricane sandy comes along you know not not a not a great thing for anybody but if that was to happen all of those events you know what's happening to those sponsors you just say right there's all the money back or actually we spent it uh, we didn't see this coming, and we can't give it back to you. So I think with sponsors, you've got to be talking to them all the time in terms of, again, managing those expectations and making sure that if your event doesn't go ahead, that there is you know, no uh, kind of uh, recriminations going to come from anybody, that they understand, all right, this is what we're going to do in place. And I think there's always something that can be done, uh, but it might just need a bit of, uh, thinking around. I guess if you were sponsored these events too, maybe also ha- having been around a lot, of, a lot of events and and having stood on stands and things like that in the past, uh, there's a little bit of training that's needed for people to operate on stands and do it really well, isn't there? Otherwise, they just going to look a bit of a spare part. So maybe uh, from a sponsorship perspective, that's something to consider. Yeah, there are sometimes you go around exhibition halls and uh, uh, sometimes you, you, well, I get the feeling that some of the people just don't want to be there. Uh, and, you know, good signs of that are when they're just, um, you know, on the black bridge, head down, no eye contact, 
and what a waste what a waste opportunity so if you are going to sponsor then you know uh, and take the opportunity then go ready to to do some business i would say so we've just got a, a couple of minutes before I need to wrap up. So uh, let's um, just quickly talk about f- uh, food and drink. Any tips on food and drink? Yeah, I think my uh, biggest tip on that is uh, don't be uh, don't stingy. Don't skimp on the on the food or drink. Uh, you know, within reason, of course. You don't want to uh, uh, to, to go over the top, but uh, I think people do tend to remember if there wasn't the food there. Uh, and if you've got food and it's not hot and it's meant to be hot, that's a real that's a real problem as well. Um, you know, I want to know if I'm going to an event, do I have to actually? If I'm going out to a networking evening, is there going to be food there? If there isn't, uh, maybe I need to eat. Uh, you know, maybe I need to eat first. Uh, so always, you know, if you've made it aware, if you've made people aware that are coming along, that's good. Uh, food and drink. Always have drink. Uh, always have water out for speakers as well. It's amazing how many uh, conferences you can go to where there is no no water on the table. But you know, speaking is one of those things where you know you want your speakers not to have dry throats. So always make sure they've got some. Uh, if you've got a press office, then make sure you've got coffee and juice and things in there. Uh, and I'd say be aware of um, you know where you are in the world. There might be some cultural issues. In terms of food that can be served and not, uh, and again, it's all about uh, you know thinking it through. A lot of conferences these days are now looking at these kind of brain-friendly foods, so food that's going to keep you on that optimum level for learning as you go throughout the uh, as you go throughout the day. So maybe you don't want so much of the uh, some of the foods that don't do anything other than stod you, but maybe you want some of the kind of uh, other food that r- will really help to to keep your brain really active in the afternoon after lunch. So have a think about how that works in in conjunction with with the whole event and the whole experience that you're trying to make. I guess be careful with alcohol. I guess absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it can be quite difficult for speakers. That one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm not stop drinking alcohol before they speak, but, but dealing with audience members who've drunk too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, but uh, you know, I think it, it depends again. If you've got a weighted service, then that uh, that can be quite useful. And you know, if the weighted staff have got any any uh, questions, they're always going to come back to you as the organizer to say, "Shall we carry on or not?" So. Fantastic. I've got we've got um, another sort of minute or so before I need to wrap up. But I just want to ask you, you know, after the event, what what are the f- things that you must do to really leverage it? Okay, I think um, I think people do take uh, they can take surveys. They can say, right, you know, did you enjoy it? What did you think? Uh, but then they fail to actually do anything worth them. Well, you know, some people, not everybody, but uh, you know, if you're taking that information and use it, plug it back into your you know strategic thinking. Um, messaging with the press as well you know if you've had a, a good event if some key points have come out then let the press know uh, and keep the you know keep using that content to keep that conversation going I would say so that uh, you know you are still you're still having a the run into your next event or your next whatever it happens to be so just keep um just keep moving. Uh, think of all the things that you've made during that event 
And where could they be useful? Who might see them? What could you do? Could you make it on demand for people that weren't there? Uh, have a think about that great content that you've just captured. Fantastic. Um, I'd just like to say a big thank you for being on the show today. It's been great to it's been a masterclass really on how to run a great event so thanks very much for that paul my pleasure entirely good to have you and and if you want to find out more information about paul go to uh, www.planetplanet.co.uk that's p-l-e-a-n-e-t-p-l-a-n-i-t.co.uk i also mentioned that paul does have a helpful book called risk it which will help you if you want to run your own event it's quite hands-on practical book. Um, if you've got any questions or feedback, please send it to me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com. Leave it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. Do go and like that and, and engage there. And uh, next week, we've got Sean Weefer joining the show. Now, Sean's an expert in the whole area of emotional intelligence and how to use it to become a high-trust advisor. And what we're going to be doing next week, which if you've got a business, I think is really, really important. We're going to be discussing some powerful questioning techniques to very positively and authentically influence those important client meetings so do join us again next week uh, do tell people about the show and that the show is going to be very soon in the archive uh, so go and look at the archive and um, as, as now tens of thousands of people are doing um, every every week so uh, thank you very much for listening today and i shall speak to you again next week we thank you for listening to be more achieve more Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.